the deepest suffering the world has ever known. What, what comes to mind? Maybe Rwanda in the spring of 94, when an estimated 800,000 people were killed by armed militia. Or do you think of the Black Death in Europe, a pandemic in the 1300s that killed 200 million people, almost 50% of Europe's population. Or maybe more recent events come to your mind. 9-11, when we watched in shock as the Twin Towers collapsed. Or maybe it's the images of bombed-out cities and civilian casualties in Ukraine. The history of the world has been marked by suffering. What's the deepest wound, emotional or physical, you have endured? How has that wound changed you? How did you recover from it? Have you recovered? Welcome to the God's Word, Our Great Heritage podcast, where we're currently meditating on the Book of Lamentations. In the verses before us today, the poet will pronounce Jerusalem's wound to be as deep as the sea. He then asks, who can heal you? The answer, of course, is that only God could heal the people of Jerusalem, and only God can heal us of our physical, mental, and spiritual wounds. Let's find out how. We begin with prayer. Lord Jesus, during your time on earth, you were a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. And you wept at the grave of your friend Lazarus. In our suffering and our sorrows, when our eyes are filled with tears, be our source of comfort and our sure and certain hope. Bless our meditation on your word. Amen. For a complete review, you can go back and listen to last week's podcast, but just a couple of things from last week's introduction and and our look at chapter 1. In the Septuagint, an early translation of the Old Testament, Lamentations is given the title Tears, and it is a book about tears, about grief. A lamentation or a lament is an expression of grief, and this book is a collection of five laments, or poems, expressing sorrow. This collection of poems shows us how to give honest expression to our feelings. It teaches us to grieve alongside our brothers and sisters who have suffered loss. And most importantly, it points us to Jesus who bears all our grief. Lamentations points us to a God of compassion, of love, and of faithfulness. In spite of our sins, his mercies are new every morning. And we know that one day, when he returns or calls us home, every tear will be wiped from our eyes. Chapter 2 describes the destruction of Jerusalem and Judah as an act of God's wrath because of the sins of the people. It shows the foolishness of seeking human comfort during such a horrible calamity and instead urges the people to seek help from their God. Chapter 2, verse 1. How the Lord has covered daughter Zion with the cloud of his anger. He has hurled down the splendor of Israel from heaven to earth. He has not remembered his footstool in the day of his anger. Without pity, the Lord has swallowed up the dwellings of Jacob. 
In his wrath he has torn down the strongholds of daughter Judah. He has brought her kingdom and its princes down to the ground in dishonor. In fierce anger he has cut off every horn of Israel. He has withdrawn his right hand at the approach of the enemy. He has burned in Jacob like a flaming fire that consumes everything around it. Like an enemy he has strung his bow, his right hand is ready. Like a foe he has slain all who were pleasing to the eye. He has poured out his wrath like fire on the tent of daughter Zion. The Lord is like an enemy. He has swallowed up Israel. He has swallowed up all her palaces and destroyed her strongholds. He has multiplied mourning and lamentation for daughter Judah. With the move from Lamentation 1 to Lamentation 2, the focus shifts from the victim of the disaster to its perpetrator. And it is shocking that perpetrator is the Lord. The Lord is the subject of a series of forceful verbs, hurled down, swallowed up, tore down, cut off, burned, slain, poured out wrath like fire. Yet, as we will see, Jeremiah has not lost faith in God. Jerusalem was boasting in herself, her greatness, her strength. The reality was she had no greatness and no strength apart from God's gracious promises. And because she had forgotten this, forgotten God's love and rejected him, the Lord removed his protection and showed her what she would be like without him. Instead of being her defender, he became her enemy. This is an alien work of God, for he is love and he is compassion. In bringing down his wrath on his own people, it is as if he is bringing it down on himself. But Judah's stubborn refusal to listen compelled him to do what he did. Verse 6, He has laid waste his dwelling like a garden. He has destroyed his place of meeting. The Lord has made Zion forget her appointed festivals and her Sabbaths. In his fierce anger he has spurned both king and priest. The Lord has rejected his altar and abandoned his sanctuary. He has given the walls of her palaces into the hands of the enemy. They have raised a shout in the house of the Lord as on the day of an appointed festival. The Lord determined to tear down the wall around daughter Zion. He stretched out a measuring line and did not withhold his hand from destroying. He made ramparts and walls lament. Together they wasted away. Her gates have sunk into the ground. Their bars he has broken and destroyed. Her king and her princes are exiled among the nations. The law is no more. And her prophets no longer find visions from the Lord. The elders of daughter Zion sit on the ground in silence. They have sprinkled dust on their heads and put on sackcloth. The young women of Jerusalem have bowed their heads to the ground. They raised a shout in the house of the Lord, but it was not the celebration of joyful worshipers. It was the celebration of the enemy as they desecrated and destroyed the temple. The priests had neglected to instruct God's people in his word, so the Lord silenced the priests. The people listened to false prophets who told them what they wanted to hear, so God stopped sending true prophets. 
the kings and the princes, such a source of human pride, now led off in chains and disgrace. Jerusalem has hit rock bottom. Verse 11. My eyes fail from weeping. I am in torment within. My heart has poured out on the ground because my people are destroyed. Because children and infants faint in the streets of the city. They say to their mothers, Where is bread and wine? As they faint like the wounded in the streets of the city. As their lives ebb away in their mother's arms. What can I say for you? What can I compare you, daughter Jerusalem? To what can I liken you that I may comfort you, virgin daughter Zion? Your wound is as deep as the sea. Who can heal you? The visions of your prophets were false and worthless. They did not expose your sin to ward off your captivity. The prophecies they gave you were false and misleading. All who pass your way clap their hands at you. They scoff and shake their heads at daughter Jerusalem. Is this the city that was called the perfection of beauty, the joy of the whole earth? All your enemies open their mouths wide against you. They scoff and gnash their teeth and say, We have swallowed her up. This is the day we have waited for. We have lived to see it. How deep is the wound? Infants dying in their mother's arms. Children asking for bread, but there is none to give them. If only they had been concerned with giving their children the one thing needful, the bread of life. If only they had instructed their children in the words of the Lord. If only they had brought their children to worship, but there was no time for any of that. Instead, they pursued earthly pleasures. They listened instead to false prophets who told them what they wanted to hear and didn't talk about sin or repentance. But now, now their sin had caught up with them. They wanted to be rid of the Lord. Now the Lord was showing them what life without him really was. C.S. Lewis in The Problem of Pain wrote, Pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. No doubt pain as God's megaphone is a terrible instrument, but it removes the veil. It plants the flag of truth within the fortress of the rebel soul. Jeremiah's heart breaks for his people. What can I say that I may comfort you, he he laments. But there is no helpful word. Jerusalem's wound was as deep as the sea. Who could heal her? While human words fail, God's word does not. There is one who can heal. One whose love for us is stronger, deeper than our hurts and our sins. One who will bear our iniquities and by whose wounds we are healed. One who will take our sins and bury them in the depths of the sea. That one is the Lord himself, our Savior God. Pastor Timothy Borman, in his fine book, As Deep as the Sea, a book that I would recommend, by the way, 
Pastor Borman comments on this section of Lamentations. I've asked myself on so many different occasions, what can I say for you? What can I say for you, the assault victim, or you, a grieving parent? There's a part of me that thinks addressing trauma with words is dangerous. I think of Job and the miserable comforters he had. Their words were nothing more than daggers, further wounding him. I know full well that the wrong word could do such spiritual damage. There is a part of me that agrees with Jeremiah. There are no words for you. And yet, right here in Lamentations 2, verse 13, the narrator gives the woman a new name, Virgin Daughter Zion. In fact, repeatedly throughout Lamentations, he calls her the same thing, Daughter Zion. He could have called her Harlot or Sinner or Woman with a Scarlet Letter or so many other names she rightly deserved. But he does not. He draws near and says to her, Daughter. To be clear, the narrator is not saying that she is his daughter. Instead, he's drawing her into a restorative relationship with God. She's the daughter of the father. And what kind of father would leave his daughter in such ruin? What kind of father would see her in ashes and just look away? He calls her daughter because she has a heavenly father. It was all true that the city, the woman, had rebelled against her father. But the father's love would seek her out and find her and love her and cleanse her with the blood of Jesus. The father intended to send his only son to die for her and bring her into the family she had left. Even in the dust, he names her daughter Zion. So hope has a heartbeat. I love that phrase, hope has a heartbeat. Pastor Borman goes on, And you, survivor, are no different. You too have been given the same resilient name in Christ. I give your name, your resilient name, son, daughter. You have a father. And with the name that he gives to you, through Jesus, he draws you in. He will not leave you in your ruin. He cannot and still be your father. He cannot still be true to his great name. His love for you knows no bounds, and his power holds the world together. There is still more hope for you. By the Spirit's power, we too cry out, Abba, Father. Verse 17. The Lord has done what he planned. He has fulfilled his word, which he decreed long ago. He has overthrown you without pity. He has left the enemy gloat over you. He has exalted the horn of your foes. The hearts of the people cry out to the Lord. You walls of daughter Zion, let your tears flow like a river day and night. Give yourself no relief, your eyes no rest. Arise, cry out in the night as the watches of the night begin. Pour out your heart like water in the presence of the Lord. Lift up your hands to him for the lives of your children who faint from hunger at every street corner. Look, Lord, and consider, whom have you ever treated like this? Should women eat their offspring, the children they have cared for? Should priest and prophet be killed in the sanctuary of the Lord? Young and old lie together in the dust of the streets. My young men and young women have fallen by the sword. You have slain them in the day of your anger. You have slaughtered them without pity. 
As you summoned to a feast day, so you summoned against me terrors on every side. In the day of the Lord's anger, no one escaped or survived. Those I cared for and reared, my enemy has destroyed. The destruction of Jerusalem should have not been a surprise to anyone. The Lord did exactly what he said he would do. Deuteronomy chapter 28 is instructive here. There Moses said to the people, However, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I am giving you today, all these curses will come on you and overtake you. The Lord will cause you to be, to be defeated before your enemies. You will become a thing of horror to all the kingdoms on earth. Your carcasses will be food for all the birds and wild animals and there will be no one to frighten them away. God had warned them. And here is a warning for all of us as well. God means what he says. The people of Jerusalem stubbornly refused to listen. They mocked and ridiculed and even killed the true prophets God had sent to them. And now they were reaping what they had sown. But just because they were getting what they deserved doesn't mean they shouldn't plead for God's mercy. If God is faithful to his word, faithful to his word to punish, how much more will he be faithful to his promises to help and show mercy? And so Jeremiah pleads with these people to turn to the Lord, to cry out to to the Lord day and night. Pray for your children, Jeremiah pleads. For God has promised to save a remnant. He has promised to send a Savior from their descendants who will carry our sins and sorrows and by whose wounds we will be healed. And friends, God always keeps his word. There will be healing. Jeremiah wrote in the book that bears his name, Your wound is incurable because your guilt is so great and your sins so many. But in the very next verse, he goes on to say, But I will restore you to health and heal your wounds, declares the Lord. God's love is bigger, deeper, stronger than our hurts and our sins. While Jeremiah didn't acknowledge where our help comes from in chapter 2, and that's why I've alluded to passages from Isaiah and Jeremiah and the Psalms and Romans, Though he doesn't acknowledge where our help comes from in chapter 2, he will in the next chapter. Don't miss that podcast. It will reaffirm the comforting passages that I alluded to here about the depth of God's love for us. If you have any questions or comments, you can text me at 513-600-9568. also want to let you know that for this podcast series, I'm indebted to both Pastor Daniel Hobbin, who led a Bible study on Lamentations at last summer's Michigan District Pastors Conference, and to Pastor David Gostek, the author of the People's Bible Commentary on Lamentations. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.